0: Hello, my friends, the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior be with you. I want to welcome you to the Sermons from the Cornfield podcast, a weekly podcast where the sermons that I preach each and every Sunday are uploaded for you to listen to and review. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill, and I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. God bless. Our sermon text this morning comes from the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. We're in chapter 3, and we'll take a look at verses 1 through 20. So again, this is the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he, Eli, said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel, Samuel. and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hear of it tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He said, here I am. Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. The word of God, my friends, for you and I, the children of God, thanks be to God. You know, I haven't spent most of my life on the other side of this pulpit. And all those years being years spent in a Methodist church, I am familiar with the comings and goings of our preachers. At our time in our church back in Burlington, we saw four senior pastors come and go. We saw four associate pastors uh, come, three of them left. The last to start there while we were there is in fact still there. And I remember the first time that he preached a service. He got up and asked the congregation to join him in prayer before he started his sermon. We all did. You can hear the the squeaks and the cracking sounds. We all know them as folks, you kind of shift their weight a little bit in the pew. They sit up a little bit straighter or they bring their, their, their hands into their lap or underneath their chin, getting ready to pray. Everybody bowed their heads. And his prayer was this. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. That was it. And there were a few chuckles here and there when he finished, because, I mean, let's be honest, when a preacher invites you into prayer, we have been conditioned, whether it's right or wrong, to expect a little heft to it, haven't we? A little theological meat. Certainly a little more than two sentences containing just six words. I thought a lot about that prayer this week not just because of the Old Testament reading for this Sunday, although that is certainly part of it, but it has been on my mind after the events of last week at our Capitol, the events of the past year, and honestly the the events of the past number of years. Because as I look out at the anger and the tension and the anxiety that has touched all of our lives in one way or another, I'm left with two questions that I think are perfectly framed by this passage. The first is, are we listening for the voice of God in our lives anymore? And second, are we willing to listen even when we may not like what is being said? every time I've heard this passage, every time I've read this passage, every time I have preached it, every time I have heard it preached by others, it's always been a story about Samuel. I mean, after all, this is his call story, is it not? We tell of the perseverance of God, that that God will keep calling us until we acknowledge it, either positively or negatively, and how once he heard God calling him and he gave himself up to service to the Lord, that Samuel became a trustworthy prophet known far and wide. And similarly, we should all listen for and be attentive to God calling us and the plan God has for our lives. And friends, all of that is true. But I'm a little bit afraid that as a culture, we've become a little more like Eli than we are like Samuel. And here's what I mean. Verse one that we read just a bit ago tells us that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. And I found myself this week asking the question, why? Why would the Lord choose not to speak to his chosen people? Why would he seem to cease all communication with his beloved sons and daughters, particularly one of his priests? Well, maybe maybe God didn't stop speaking. Maybe they stopped listening, Eli in particular. If you go back to chapter one of 1 Samuel, we meet a woman who was to become Samuel's mother, whose name was Hannah. Now, Hannah was a co-wife with another lady. The man had two wives. But she was her husband's favorite. Unfortunately, she was also barren. She couldn't have children. And the other wife, who could have children and also knew that she was the husband's favorite, picked on her about it over and over again, chastised her about it, and picked on her so much that Hannah became downcast, and sad, she badly wanted a child, desperately wanted a child. It's so like many of us, she decided to pray about it. In fact, she goes to the temple where Eli is the priest and she prays about it. She prays aloud and with great weeping says that if she is so blessed by God to have a child that she will give that child in service to the Lord. If only Lord, you will grant me a child, she says. Once he is of the proper age, I will bring him to the temple and he will live a life in service to you. And as she is praying this prayer, Eli is watching her. And soon Hannah's prayers become silent prayers, but she continues to move her lips. There's no sound coming out of her mouth, but she is in deep, deep, concerted prayer moving her lips, tears streaming down her face. And so Eli, the priest, does what any priest would do. He comes to her and he prays with her and he comforts her, right? No, he doesn't do any of that. Instead, he tells her, woman, how long are you going to stay here? You're making a drunken spectacle of yourself. Why don't you get out of my temple and go back to whatever party that you came from? heart and a mind full of judgment towards Hannah because she wasn't praying in the proper form and maybe she wasn't praying using the right words or maybe she looked a little off. Eli judged her by her outside appearance, not seeing what was in her heart. Have you ever thought or felt that way about someone? She explains to him that she's not drunk. She is in fact in fervent and honest prayer. He kind of half apologizes, and she goes away. And then a few months later, a blessing. Her son Samuel is born to her. And as she promised, after a few years, Hannah brings him to the temple, and she gives him to Eli. There's this beautiful prayer by Hannah in chapter 2 of this particular book, but we, we kind of forget it because right after that prayer, we are introduced to Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And these two guys, well, let's just say they were the worst scripture says that they were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. They were stealing sacrifices. They were sleeping with women just outside the sanctuary, engaging in all sorts of shocking behavior. And Eli knows all about it. He confronts them, but they don't listen. And Eli seems to be, well, boys will be boys. Even when another prophet tells him that the Lord sees what is going on and is going to put an end to Eli's line, meaning that his sons and Eli are all going to die, Eli doesn't seem really that concerned. He continues to tolerate and turn the blind eye to what is going on in his presence. After all, these were his people. So how bad could it really be? I mean, after all, at least they aren't like those Philistines. You ever felt that way? rationalized behavior you knew wasn't right but implicitly condoned it because they were your people or they were on your side and then we get to chapter 3 part of which we read this morning and we excuse Samuel for not recognizing God's voice initially in the story because after all he is still just a young boy and scripture says he did not yet know the Lord so we kind of forgive Samuel but who else in our story didn't recognize that God was speaking? It's Eli. The line in verse 2 says, His eyesight had become dim so that he could not see. And we assume that it's talking about his physical sight and his actual eyeballs. But I wonder if that's also an allusion to his spiritual sight. Judging his sister in Christ turning a blind eye to the sin taking place in his own household. One of my commentaries says that when the prophet gives this message in chapter 2 announcing the end of Eli's line, that the prophet reminds Eli of the privilege his ancestor received through the priesthood and indicts Eli for his neglect, disrespect, and greed and announces the end of his priestly line. You think maybe this is why Eli didn't hear God speaking in the temple to Samuel? Or that is why the first two times Samuel came for him, he didn't discern that it was God speaking to Samuel? I don't think the word of the Lord was rare because God wasn't speaking. It seems rare because Eli has allowed such a chasm to exist between him and his Lord through his neglect, his disrespect, and his greed that he simply couldn't hear it. Now, I don't know much about Eli before what is recorded here. first comes into scripture in chapter one of this book. By chapter four, he's dead at age 98, having served as judge of Israel for 40 years. But the impression you get from him is that by the end of his life, he become a corrupt, apathetic, lazy man, content to sit idly by with little time spent in prayer, little time spent in the Hebrew scriptures, little time teaching or learning or any of that. He seems content to be so apart from God. And I worry this morning, friends, that as we gather, that we have allowed a similar chasm to exist between us and God, making it hard for God, well, making it hard for us to hear God speaking to us. And instead of a passive chasm, though, like Eli, we seem determined to fill this chasm with what our little green friend from last month would refer to as noise, 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 noise. And I further worry that we're okay with that. That we have allowed some form of neglect and disrespect and greed to pervade our lives as well. We live in a time where we have more information readily available to us at the snap of a finger than at any time in human history. But fortunately, we also have less knowledge and even more alarmingly, even less wisdom we have lost the art of critical thinking. We have lost the art of conversation because the internet means, and texting means, we don't have to interact face to face anymore. And so when we go online or we watch television, everything now is breaking news. Everything is a catastrophe. Everything is something that should make you angry as an American. Everything is something that you absolutely, positively must have an opinion about right now. As so we go further into the internet or, or further into social media and we search out those articles or those posts that agree with our side and then we use those posts and articles as evidence to strike blow after blow against the ignorant horde that dare have a different opinion than we do. And then we judge and then we disrespect others. Oh, those godless Democrats. All those hateful, racist Republicans. And then we neglect the sin. Whatever it is, happening in our own backyard, among our people, averting our eyes from it because, well, at least they're on the right side. And we say that we want God's will to be done, but friends, truthfully, from what I've seen lately, what, are we, what we are really saying is that we greedily want God to do our will. And that chasm gets wider and wider, and our eyesight gets dimmer and dimmer. And it feels as if the word of the Lord is rare. And I don't know about you, friends, but all this hatred and anger is making me tired. Because we have stopped listening for God. Preferring instead to listen to, and in many cases, seeking out the noise, 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 noise. I spoke to my clergy mentor this week. And he told me, you know, as you let your spiritual practices go and that time with God becomes smaller and smaller or less and less, what you find is that into that vacuum or into that space comes things we normally wouldn't want. And he's right. And I think that what is occupying that space now for many of us is anger. As a culture, we have become so used to being angry that now, as odd as it may sound, we look for it. We need it. We thrive on it. So I'm going to go read stuff that I know is going to make me hot. I'm going to lurk over that person's Facebook account or their Twitter feed or their blog that I know I don't agree with just so I can see what they're writing, just so I can get mad about it. And then I'm going to argue about it. With them. Got a news flash for you, sisters and brothers. Not a single person, not one, has ever changed their mind over a witty Facebook post or comment. None. It is a fruitless exercise that we engage in daily, some a number of times each day, that only serves to drive us further from God and further from each other. But we do it. Because it's a whole lot easier to be a keyboard cowboy than talking with somebody face-to-face. And so, friends, I have to ask this morning, are you listening for God's Word? Are you listening for God to speak into your lives? You can't do it with one eye on the laptop and the other eye peeping at your phone. You can't do it with your preferred news channel on in the background. You can't do it with your mind filled with all the issues and concerns and worries and doubts and baggage that we tend to try to cling to. Not because God can't cut through all that stuff, because he certainly can. It's because we can't. We are flawed, failed, weak people. And unless we intentionally seek the Lord, we will be distracted by all things great and small. So I challenge you this week. Find a place away from the noise, away from all distractions and simply say, speak Lord, your servant is listening. Breathe in and breathe out. Be calm. Feel the peace that washes over you, a peace that is beyond all understanding. Listen for his voice. friends, I promise you, it's gonna be okay. And you say, well, Pastor Mark, I've done that, and he is not speaking to me. Well, might I suggest that he speaks to us each and every day through this Bible. If you believe, like I do, that the words contained in this book are the very words of our Creator, put down into writing through authors filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and friends, every page is God speaking to you. When I say, after every reading we do in worship, that this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God, I don't say it just because it presents for me a simple transition from one point of the service to the next. I say it because I believe it. I believe it. And if you are ever confused as to if what you are hearing or reading or seeing is of God or not, compare it to Scripture. If it doesn't match God's word as recorded in Scripture, then it is not of God. You don't want it, you don't need it, you need to put it back. Now understand, my friends, that listening means sometimes having to hear something we would rather not hear. In the chapters before our reading this morning, Eli had been warned that God was unhappy with him and his sons. He was told that God was going to end his line. He knew that he had transgressed and was going to be punished. When the Lord God himself tells this to Samuel, and Eli asks what the Lord told him, Eli says, Samuel, listen, don't hold back. Tell me what he told you. And Samuel tells him. And again, Eli has to hear difficult words. Friends, sometimes God has difficult words for us as well. Exposing our hidden secrets, bringing our sins into light. Challenging our prejudices and our assumptions, pointing out our anger, causing us to take a good, hard look at ourselves, how we behave, the words that we use, the opinions that we hold. Sometimes it means that we have to do one of the hardest things in this world, admit that we were wrong about something. But this is not done out of hate or anger or because God enjoys making us suffer He does this because he loves us. Because he desires nothing more than to be in a relationship with us and for us to be in a relationship with our brothers and sisters. We can't have a relationship with God or with each other so long as our hands are balled up in a fist looking for a fight. Only with an open, outstretched hand, stretched out in prayer to the Lord, and stretched stretch out to our brothers and sisters in love. Can we start the kind of reconciliation that our word de- world desperately needs? That those with ears hear, my friends. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless.